Well, today we're going to be continuing our series on praise and Christmas. Um, and I, it's just a little bit of an extra praise for me that I, this is the first Sunday in this series that I've actually been able to preach it from here. Um, up till now, I've been just sending in a video and saying, hey, can you play this? Um, so I'm, I'm feeling much better. So thank you if, if you've been praying for me and the family. Uh, Thank you. As you can hear, we still cough every once in a while, but other than that, we're, we're pretty good. Um, I, I do want to talk today about four people that you, we find praising in the Christmas story, but they're kind of side characters in the Christmas story. They don't get a whole lot of, of airtime when it comes to things like Christmas cards. You know, you always have baby Jesus in the nativity or Mary and Joseph on a donkey going to Bethlehem um, or the wise men traveling. But these are the ones that don't make it on Christmas cards generally. But they, they still praise nonetheless. And so today we're going to talk about Elizabeth and Zechariah, Simeon and Anna. And so we're going to start with Elizabeth and Zechariah, and their story is found in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read some of it, not quite all of it, but Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And it says this, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. 
Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And then if you jump down to verse 57, it finishes up Elizabeth and Zechariah's story. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed? There's no one in your, all your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again and began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord is surely upon him in a special way. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare a way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in shadow of death, and to guide us to the path of peace. Then, if you jump over into Luke chapter 2, you'll find the story of Simeon and Anna. Now, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus has been born. Uh, he's eight days old. They're bringing him to the temple, which is in line with Jewish custom. And that's where this story picks up. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. It says, eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of the child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law, either two turtle doves or two young pigeons, which doesn't have the same lyrical quality. Um, it says, at that time, though, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. 
the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed him, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own very soul. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectedly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So you have three different stories, four different people who had really spent their whole life waiting. Elizabeth and Zechariah waiting for a child. Simeon waiting to see the Messiah. And Anna waiting on God. It says that her husband died when they had been married just seven years, but in that culture, you got married when you were a teenager, 13, 14, 15, 16. So if you take, you know, maybe somewhere middle of the road and say she got married maybe when she was 15, that means her husband died when she was 22. And she was very old. She lived to 84. That means 62 years of being a widow. And for those 62 years, it said she stayed in the temple day and night, fasting and praying. So, all of these people have their own story of pain and their own story of waiting. All of these people who each of their stories say are now old, who have spent their entire lives waiting for God to move. All of these people with their own private pain. Elizabeth and Zechariah, no children, no one to care for them as they got older, as that's how it worked in that culture. No one to carry on the family name, the family line. Having no children in that culture was a disgrace, especially for the women. You have Simeon with his private pain. He was older, he was waiting for something that God had said, but he had been waiting a long time now. And if anything, 2020 has taught us is that prolonged waiting can tend to steal your peace a little bit. And the first thing he said when he, when he was able to hold Jesus was, finally, Lord, now let me die in peace. 
Anna, 62 years a widow. And in that culture, if you were a widow, you were alone. No one cared for you unless the church did. That's probably one of the reasons why she spent so much time at the temple was that's really the only place she could go. And yet, each of these people with their own kind of pain, each of these people who had lived their whole lives waiting, each of these people who had spent their lives wondering if maybe God had forgotten them, each of them suddenly had God reach down into their story and bring them hope. Each of them suddenly had God reach down into their story and bring them peace and bring them joy and remind them that they had not been forgotten. And in fact, not only had they not been forgotten, they had a small role to play in the greatest story ever told. To give them an opportunity to be a part of what he was doing because he loved them so much that he sent his only son. They hadn't been forgotten. Their time just hadn't come yet. But when it came time for Jesus to be born, he reached into their timeline and he changed it all. Their lives were given resolution. And once again, even as a baby, Jesus changes everything. But make no mistake, it wasn't just them that was waiting. It was all of Israel It was the entire world waiting for Jesus to come and change everything, to bring peace, to bring resolution and redemption and renewal. In Luke 2.25 that we read, we read it in the New Living Translation, and that's good sometimes because it flows nice and it's easy to understand, but it misses something in that translation. If you have maybe read it in a different one, in the ESV, uh, in Luke 2.25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, in the other translation, when you read consolation of Israel, it's translated that he was waiting for the Messiah. And that's true, it's what it means, But in that time, in that culture, one of the ways that they referred to the Messiah was as the consolation of Israel. It comes from the Greek word palikalio. And it's that Jesus was going to come and be their consolation. He was going to console them in their pain. Because the whole nation of Israel, especially at that time under Roman rule, the entire nation felt forgotten the whole nation wondered, well, has God forgotten us? Why, why is he allowing these Romans to rule over us? They were all hurting. They all believed that when the Messiah showed up, that they would be consoled. Like you console a child who fell. And that the Messiah would be their comforter. And so in these three stories, you see that Jesus, even as a baby, does just that. 
bringing comfort and consolation to people who are waiting for it. That Jesus, even as a baby, bringing comfort and consolation because now Zechariah and Elizabeth are pregnant because they have to have a son who's going to prepare the way for Jesus. You have Anna, who has been waiting as a, as a widow for so many years, and Simeon, who Jesus comes as a baby and their world is comforted. But here's the interesting thing. What was it that Jesus said about being comforted in the Beatitudes? In Matthew 5, 4, he says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. But here's the interesting thing. That word comforted comes from the same Greek root word, palakalio. That the consolation of Israel was Jesus. And Jesus said, those that, are, that mourn, those that are like Simeon and Anna and Zechariah and Elizabeth, those that are mourn will find consolation. Those that, are, that mourn will find comfort. When Jesus was in the synagogue in Nazareth and stood up, what scripture did he quote? In Isaiah 61, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. And he says, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And the crazy thing is, is that from the day that Jesus was born, he starts binding up brokenhearted people. Jesus came to bring peace, consolation for those that are waiting, comfort to all who mourn, to bind up the brokenhearted. And for Zechariah and Elizabeth and Anna and Simeon, hurting, broken, unfulfilled people, because of Jesus, they found themselves praising at Christmas. This year of 2020 has brought a lot of mourning. This year, life has been interrupted. So many people have experienced loss in so many different ways. So many different forms of loss this year. People have been distanced. Many have lost loved ones. Some have lost jobs. So much has changed. There's been a lot of different kinds of pain this year. And this year has brought a lot of waiting for a lot of different things. A lot of waiting this year. It's left a lot of people feeling unfulfilled. But today, if maybe you feel forgotten, or maybe you wonder 
if the Lord sees you where you're at. Or maybe you wonder if the Lord sees your private pain. Or maybe you're wondering if the Lord's going to move in your situation. You may be wondering if you're just going to wait forever. Maybe you feel like a side character that is kind of wondering, has God forgotten about me in all this? Today, let me encourage you from these stories that God sees side characters. Let me encourage you to have the faith of Elizabeth, the faith of Anna, the faith of Simeon. And yeah, even the faith of Zechariah. It took him a little bit, but he got there when he finally wrote his name is John. The faith to keep waiting on God. The faith to believe that at just the right time, God will reach into your timeline because you have a role to play. And God does see side characters. The faith to believe that Jesus is still the consolation for those who are waiting. The faith to believe that if you invite Jesus into your situation, he might not take you out of your situation, but he will comfort you in your situation. That because of of Christmas, because of Jesus coming, you can find peace and hope and joy and praise and worship this Christmas if you find it in Jesus Christ. That this Christmas, if you've experienced loss and you've felt like all you've been doing is waiting, if you've spent this year, a lot of it in mourning, you will be comforted in Jesus. You can still find fulfillment in Jesus this Christmas. So, may you have the faith to invite Jesus into your waiting. To invite Jesus into your pain. To invite Jesus into your worry. And may you be comforted. Earlier this week, I found myself worrying. I find myself worrying more than I should. But earlier this week, I found myself worrying about all the different things I worry about. And the Holy Spirit just quietly spoke to me and said, you're worrying about all these things, but you haven't invited me into it. And I just had to stop and pray and say, Lord, all of these different things that are going on in my head, I just invite you into that situation right now. Invite Jesus in to the thing you are waiting for today. You might just find that like Elizabeth and Zechariah and Simeon and Anna, that you too can find praise this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you see each and every person here 
in the building and each and every person that is watching online. That you are more aware of the things that are hurting them, that are worrying them, that are causing them to mourn today. You're more aware of the things that they're waiting for than anyone else in the entire world. And Father, I just pray that each person, no matter what it is that they're waiting for, no matter what it is that they're mourning or what it is they're worrying about, that just in this moment, they would invite you in to that situation, that they would invite you into that circumstance, that they would invite you, invite you into their life. Father, I pray that as we invite you into our story, that you would comfort us, that you would be our consolation. And that as we invite you in, that we might find praise and worship and joy this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name.